Listeners be advised. Today's episode includes descriptions of childhood eating disorders and suicide. Full disclosure, the coveted tech when I was a teenager was a beeper. Pagers, utilitarian, pocket-sized, attached to the hip, could deliver really simple messages. I mean, like, practically Morse code. 143 meant, I love you. 477 for best friends forever. 420 for, well, I mean, you get the point. Obviously, things are different now. Smartphones and social media, especially after the pandemic, play a central and frankly defining role for a generation of digital natives. One that a new generation of parents is starting to seriously question. When Cecilia was younger, she was the star of the show at all times. She was always flip-flatting around the house in her fashion and her heels and her feather boas and always just very much expressing herself. And I met a few of these parents while reporting for a CNN original airing this Sunday. It's called Wired for Trouble. In it, I talked to Candace Wiest. Her daughter, Cece, just graduated from high school this year. And I was like, oh, okay, Instagram's like the Facebook that's more marketed for kids. That's really what I was thinking. Yeah. And the reason for that is, is because her school, her middle school at the time, they announced things on Instagram. So the pictures and the score from the big game that Friday. Here's the kids in the classroom. Of course I would think, oh, it's fine because her school And that's just the rationale of, like, my generation. We're just automatically assuming that it's fine if the school's using it as a way to communicate. Mm -hmm. So, furthest thing from my mind, um, you know. I can even tell you're emotional now, thinking about it. Yeah. And here's where the story takes a path that I heard more than once. As Cece hits her preteen years, her doctor tells her that she's trending overweight. The word obese was mentioned. And what starts out as a social media search for exercise tips and recipes turns into something else. Do you remember what you typed? Did you just type recipes? Yeah, recipes. Like, what did you do? I typed, like, inspiration for um, losing weight. I looked up negative calorie recipes, and it started snowballing into I was getting sick, but I was also looking up sickly things. Like, it kind of, it got sick with me, if that makes sense. Like, the more I got sick, the more the social media was like thinspo which is really thin i don't know if you're familiar with that but um it's like really thin models and that was like how i wanted to look thinspo is short for thinspiration and in the world of disordered eating that means a lot of images of collarbones and thigh gaps and hyper thin bodies cc has spent her high school years in and out of hospitals to deal with what became an eating disorder She says one of those times she snuck her phone in with her. Nothing could stop her from her digital connection to the community that was in a way coaching her on how to maintain that illness. It wasn't until years later that her mother Candace made that connection. And I said, Cecilia, I saw this commercial the other day. This is an important message for parents. If your child experienced a mental health crisis, eating disorder, attempted or completed suicide, or was sexually exploited through social media use, call for a free consultation. And I started laughing and I thought, whatever happened to good old-fashioned accountability? Here in Cincinnati, conservative, Christian kind of, you know, like that's the mentality. But when I had an opportunity after talking to Cece directly, 
And she said that she felt very strongly that Instagram had played a part and that some of the material was extremely toxic. Not only toxic, but now a legal problem for tech companies. Are they going to start feeling the pressure from teens, parents, even members of Congress who are pushing for more regulation and more accountability? I'm Audie Cornish, and this week I'm on assignment for The Whole Story with Anderson Cooper, a story called Wired for Trouble. Okay, so Candace Wiest called the number on the ad. Next, she was meeting with lawyers from a group called the Social Media Victims Law Center. And now she's suing Meta, parent company of Instagram and Facebook, in Kentucky state courts. Her lawyer, Matthew Bergman, is a product liability attorney. He started his career during the period when the asbestos industry was facing mass lawsuits from people who ended up with lung disease after exposure. You know, the asbestos companies knew that people would get sick in the future and kind of hit it and swept it under the carpet. Uh, But these companies know that kids are getting sick and dying before their eyes. And their own statistics and their own studies and their own documents prove it. And yet they continue to provide these platforms that are so dangerous to our kids. But social media companies enjoy a kind of protected legal status in a way that other industries don't. Like, wow, there's all these people making decisions on safety. These people never felt unsafe a day in their lives. So how can they build safe systems? Because they didn't have any problem. To talk about what government inaction means for tech companies and the people who use their services, I turned to friend and tech journalist Kara Swisher. We sat down in her house for our interview. Um, do you see delivery coming? Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's we'll take, take a break. Them a second. Then. Yeah. They're just late. It only took a minute. <laughs> Got a wine cooler. Love it. But actually, it's turned out to be useful to put sodies in. Beverage fridge unloaded and installed, sodies in place. We got into it. I'm Kara Swisher. I'm host of the Pivot podcast and the On with Kara Swisher podcast and a longtime technology reporter. Which means you've seen maybe the kind of cultural wind shift from tech is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's going to change our lives. Social media is even more amazing. It's Mm -hmm. going to create a utopia to where we are now. Well, some of us didn't think that. It actually was, what is tech? First of all, what is the, what are these things? And then it was, isn't this amazing? And then it was, isn't this interesting? And then it was, isn't this dangerous? Go back to interesting. When it was that, mm-hmm. what are the kinds of questions as a reporter that you were looking at and that people were talking about? Well, I happened to actually be tough on them from the beginning because I'm a student of history. And I, have, I always go by this Paul Virilio quote, which is when they invented the ship. They invented the shipwreck when they invented electricity. They invented the electric chair. So I was always super interested in how technology impacted for better and worse. So that was always my focus. Um, And not necessarily being negative, but thinking, okay, just a second. And so from the very beginning, I was very aware of the the possibilities for misinformation and fraud. I was a propaganda study major in college and in graduate school. So I was very attuned to what was happening. And it struck me as the greatest propaganda tool of all time. Um, and also influence tool to influence people to do things. But is it fair to say that the companies didn't think that way? Meaning one of the criticisms now is that mm-hmm. they never baked anything in, right? Security-wise mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. thinking about our privacy. They didn't that... think. But let's just say, I mean, they didn't think at all. They were, they're they so interested in growth at all costs. Um, you know, the famous quote is, of course, Facebook's uh, move fast and break things. 
It could have been move fast and change things, move fast and break things, then fix them. It could have been a lot of things. But break was an interesting word because they want to break everything so they can remake it in their in the way they wanted. And so one of the things that I spent a lot of time thinking about as I met these people was how thoughtless they were, how careless and thoughtless they were. And not in a malevolent way necessarily, but they just kind of, they kind of just went ahead and did it without thinking of any consequences as, you know, toddlers might. And that's what they reminded me of. A lot of them are young children where they don't understand if they knock over something, it will break. Right. Although I feel like back then people were sort of charmed by that, meaning the idea of being a boy wonder, the idea of being a young, brash founder. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of mythology around that. Sure. Everybody uh, likes immaturity. Yeah. You know, but if you were covering it, you noticed it was boy. You noticed it was white boy. It was, you know, there was a certain type of uh, uh, heterogeneity about it. And it was super troubling to a lot of people like, wow, there's all these people making decisions on safety, for example, um, I think I used a line at the time was these people never felt unsafe a day in their lives. So how can they build safe systems? Because they didn't have any problem. Is the concern that zero risk is impossible? Yes. Zero risk is impossible. So, you know, when you have people having tools that are so powerful, that are most powerful communications tools in history, there's going to be bad players. And I think how do you, are there other creative ways to deal with bad players especially in an advertising-based environment. That's really was the original sin of the internet is that it's advertising-based and therefore uh, the way to get engagement is enragement, right? That works better than hope. It works better than happy. Um, Enragement is a great way for virality to happen. The architecture is about virality, speed, and engagement. Well, you know what you're going to get there? What you get, which is you know, crazy this, extremes, crazy that, extremes, right, right yeah, exactly. Value of extremes. And anything that will attract people in an addictive quality. And that's the, the part that people aren't paying enough attention to is the addictive quality that is very similar to, to cigarettes or drinking or things like that. It has the same, people don't take it as seriously as they need to, it, that particular part of it. And I think that's what we're sort of hearing from Addiction is, families. you see, you've got to think about incredible power of tech companies addictive qualities and enragement. Like it just goes together and it's like, it it works really well as a system. Congress is now focused on this in a way that it wasn't in the past for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons. Um, Just to give one example, Senator Blumenthal and Senator uh, Marsha Blackburn have just reintroduced this Kids Online Safety Act, right? And this is kind of one of the most high profile Mm -hmm. bills. Um, And do you have a sense or are you feeling like anything will actually pass? No. Okay, I didn't even get the question out. Yeah. Definitely not. Why? Because they're incompetent to the task. They, I have never seen a group of people, this is 25 years in, there's no legislation. There's none. Like, I'm not a big proponent of legislation. I do think it sometimes hinders innovation. But boy, zero? Like, and the one that's there helps them avoid liability in every sense. And so... I think that's one of the big issues is that there's um, there's none, there's zero. And so now what they're responding to seems rather screamy, right? In terms of, uh, you know, basic things. Here's another thing, age gating. We age gate liquor, we age gate cigarettes, we age gate movies, we age gate movies. Right. Now, 
kids get cigarettes. Yeah. Kids get liquor. But in general, the idea is I'm going to verify how old you are before you get to use this product. That's correct. And so uh, to me, I'm like, hey, Marsha, you weren't concerned with this before? Like, I don't know. It just seems like, aren't you concerned with privacy? Aren't you concerned with algorithmic transparency? They go right to the headline grabbing stuff. And that's their favorite things is to grab headlines versus any kind of smart legislation. Some of these bills focus on parental involvement. Mm -hmm. Some of them focus on the social media companies. Uh, What do you feel, which one seems like it actually makes the most sense? I think parents are at a loss. I don't think they understand them or are given good good information. So it's saying that, of course, it's a parent's. Get them off the phone. Put it down. You can take it away from them. But can you take it away from them when it's addictive? That's a little harder. Like, stop playing with the slot machine, Johnny. Like, it's not going to work that way. And and especially when some of this stuff is necessary to their schooling, it's necessary— to people's jobs. And right. so if it's addictive and necessary, that's a real problem. You, you must drink this, you know, this bad liquor, but it's good, it's important for your job. And so I think putting it at the feet of parents is, it, they're just outmatched, 100% outmatched. That said, they should have some, put down the phone. Let me take the phone. You can't have a phone when you're not 13. Yeah. So certainly, but, but it, 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 we can't do it with just parents. It's just and by the way, a lot of people work and can't run it, and it's used as a babysitter and other things. And it's they enjoy it as part of their social life, right? And so the question is, how do we age-gate it properly? We're paying the cost. These companies are the richest companies in the world. Why aren't they paying the costs of the damage they're, what they're making? They don't pay any costs. They get all the benefits and none of the negative parts. What is the reluctance? What do you think is behind the reluctance? Do you feel like culturally— Lawmakers still are protective of the industry. No. Is it the lobbying? Well, initially it was ignorance, right? They didn't understand, like, understand Matt, these people are magicians. They're not magicians. Guess what? Pharmaceutical companies are much more complex. Financial banks, wow, that's good. Do they know how to run a bank? No, but they certainly know how to let, regulate it. Uh, same thing with pharmaceutical companies. Same thing with space. Same thing with cars. They know how to regulate everything else. But this one, they can't figure out. It's a bit, it's not unlike opiates, right? They went on and on forever and paid off people one after the next. And, you know, even as people were dying. In this case, they're dying in a different way. It's clearly causing depression, increased depression, self-esteem in girls, you know, um, radicalization of people, uh, polarization. You could put a lot on their plate. More with Kara Swisher after this break. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life, I sit down with Giles Yeo. It is a problem of our brain influencing the hunger. So hunger is a brain scenario, even though the feeling of hunger comes from your stomach. It's a very new and provocative way of thinking about a condition that impacts more than 40% of Americans. But the thing is, this approach could have big consequences for the way that we treat obesity. Listen to Chasing Life 
wherever you get your podcasts. As part of my reporting for The Whole Story with Anderson Cooper, I had to get way deeper into something called Section 230 than anyone really wants to. Now, this is a regulation that's only 26 words long, but here's what it says. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. Basically, the companies can't be held liable for things you and I might say on their platform. Here's Kara Swisher. Yeah, I actually reported on it when it was passed for the Washington Post. And it originally was part of a Communications Decency Act. People were very worried, some people, about online pornography, especially child pornography. And so they had this act, most of which was struck down as unconstitutional because we have a thing called the First Amendment. But there was a section in it called Section 230, which was designed to protect these nascent Internet companies. There had been a few that had the lawsuits that suddenly happened when somebody said something bad with someone. The platform was held liable. It's sort of like holding the telephone company for liable when people do bad things on the telephone or whatever. And so they, they didn't want this industry to die right away. And they wanted they, there was so much promise here that they protected it with immunity. It essentially says they're not liable for things on their platform. So they couldn't be litigated out of existence, you know, sort of smothered in the, in the crib kind of thing by lawyers. It's interesting because basically what's baked into this promise is um, we want innovation, mm-hmm. like our yeah. own government kind of baked into this law, the idea that mm-hmm. we should protect this economy yeah, that is being promising. created. Yeah, it was promising. It just was you could see what could happen if, if again, lawyers got a hold of it. it they, people wouldn't have been able to say anything. And then there were all kinds of worries, mostly about keeping these companies alive and not being ended before they began. And also the government created the Internet. But there have been, in recent years under the Trump administration— Nipping away at it, right? And even before before, that, can you talk about what it looked like when there was a moment Mm -hmm. where people would say, actually, we can make some changes there? Well, it was over sex trafficking and porn. And so there was there was a lot of stuff that should these platforms be protected in ways that other medias are not protected. And so they started chipping away around those areas. And I think that was quite bipartisan. And so everyone agreed, like, well, they shouldn't be able to get a free ride here. And so now it's more, should they get a free ride here? Should they get a free ride here? So that sort of opened the door in a way, you think, to have a conversation about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You could see that they were, and also the conversation was, these are the richest people in the world who own the most valuable companies in the world. These aren't little players anymore. They're getting the advantage, all the advantages of a small player and all the advantages of a rich player. So they can lobby against it because they were so wealthy. What are you hearing right now about from defenders of 230? Well, I'm a defender of 230. I think it would wreck the economy. They, they can't get rid of it. They've got to think very hard about what they're going to do because it would absolutely wreck the industry. It so how be, do you hear the, the dialogue that's been going on, right? Because, you know, we're here talking because there's mm-hmm. this movement of parents, absolutely. also school systems. Liability. Of yeah, some liability. exactly. Like, and some have lacken, likened it to, some have likened it to, say, big tobacco. Sure. And... I'm wondering how you're hearing that. Well, Big Tobacco didn't have this much of a protection, right? There wasn't an ab- ability to sue them once you had the proof, once you saw that they lied and you found the documents. It was just pretty easy. And, and in the case of tech, there are documents, right? They know that this stuff is unhealthy. They know they're doing research on their own to try to make them better platforms or to try to 
mitigate some of the problems. And so they're aware of the damage. I think a cigarette company is a very good comparison. Um, when a lot of us made it a couple of years ago, the tech companies were like, we're not like cigarette companies. I'm like, you're, no, you're worse, right? Because we don't, we can't see it. It's, it's invisible, the impact you have. What is the value then of these lawsuits? To your mind, when you see a school system or a family suing a tech company, talking about the algorithm, talking about the recommendations, mm -hmm. to you, what is the value of it even outside of the courtroom? It makes everybody look. It's, there's pressure. It puts political pressure on them. It puts financial pressure. It puts Wall Street pressure. That We're watching. We know what you're doing, and we don't like it. We don't like how you're running your little pop stand, and we'd like you to run it in a different way. But and do if, tech companies respond to that, oh, or yeah. are we in a moment where they're oh, responding they respond. to it? They're very aware. They do not like, you know, a victim. They do not like a teen suicide. They do not like, they do not want to be thought of as killers, you know. They don't want that linkage of online jumping out into reality, but it does every day. It does, whether it's depression, whether it's addiction, whether it's, um, you know, food, anything, like it, it jumps out, anti-vax, insurrection, that didn't just happen by itself. Now, by the way, I blame the people who went into the Capitol, but boy, did they get radicalized online quite a bit, including by Donald Trump. There is a new generation of apps mm -hmm. and creators mm -hmm. that can now benefit from 20 years, yep. right, of watching the Facebooks and the Twitters grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there any better sense of baking in privacy protections or baking in they moderation? Do you, is there a movement that you see or are they, are people falling into the same traps? If there's no liability, I think you push boundaries. If there's no stop sign, like, look, I, I don't like stop signs. Like, I don't know if you know this, but I hate stop signs, but I stop. If they weren't there, I'd not stop. And so you know, you could say they're ineffective, but they really aren't. They really aren't ineffective. Neither are guardrails. Neither are, you know, lines on the road. You know, we, we would all drive like lunatics if they weren't there. We would. That's the way we are. And so why not just put them into place? And we shouldn't trust them to make the stop signs because they'll all be different stop signs. Do you get the sense that um, people who are working in this industry are like, okay, let's bake this in this time around? Some. Some, but, you know, they ultimately go towards profit, right? Like, we have to stop pretending it's not going to cost them. Let's make it cost them. because they And not these, be afraid to make it cost no, them. No, because guess what? Suddenly they're so rich, they've made so much money. Well, it's because they never paid the price that the rest of us paid, right? I often say that when I'm talking to um, certain people who hate government. I'm like, get off the roads. The government built the roads. You know, meat, meat isn't tainted because the government moved in. They're not perfect, but boy, you're not dying. As, as in other places around the world. You know, you feel good about um, houses not falling down during an earthquake. Guess what? The government did that. So I think we have to trust our government in a way that, that and push the government to do things. Yeah, in a way that both of those things seem either hard or but impossible they, they, lately. But they have over yeah. and over. We've proved over and over again that this, we can legislate lots of things without killing off an industry. And for them to argue that they, only them, cannot be touched because they're so special. They're not special. You know, the first line of my book is it was capitalism after all. It is capitalism and they will cope. If they have to have other books, they'll figure it out. And that's what they should do as capitalists. They'll figure it out. Why do we have to pay for their mistakes? Why do we have to pay for their lack of foresight? We don't. They have to pay and they should pay. 
Kara Swisher is a technology reporter and author. She's also the host of the Pivot podcast and one of my favorites, On with Kara Swisher. Kara said that politicians in D.C. are basically incompetent on this issue. But that doesn't mean there aren't people who aren't trying. In 1996, Richard Blumenthal was the attorney general in Connecticut gearing up for what would soon be a massive antitrust lawsuit against Microsoft. Years later, he would subpoena Craigslist over prostitution ads. And now he's one of the lawmakers pushing a bipartisan bill called the Kids Online Safety Act. He has been at this for a very long time. When I was attorney general of the state of Connecticut, I discovered that certain platforms were driving pornographic content to people who were receptive. And I went to them and I said, you should stop. And they said no. And at that point, I said to my staff, let's bring legal action against them. And they said, no, sorry, Section 230. So I have been working to bring pressure on social media platforms to do better, be more responsible for years and years. And the forms of the harms have changed. Never did I think I would see the kind of addictive, toxic content that we do now. But the capability was there very early on, and I recognized it, tried to work on it. And coming to the Senate after being attorney general, I saw that we could enact new laws that would hold them more responsible. And for those who haven't been kind of following the fight, um, for you at this point, how do you define Section 230. Like, to you, what is it? Section 230 is a virtually complete shield of legal immunity that says you can't take action against a big tech company under almost all circumstances. Tell us about the Kids Online Safety Act, which is your bill in particular. Um, There's lots of legislation that comes at these issues from various directions. Um, where does, what's the starting point for yours? The kid, the parent, or the company? Everyone here has a responsibility. But the starting point is that the tech companies should have a responsibility to do better. Instead of telling the parents, oh, you need to be the ones to consent. You need to be the police. The Kids Online Safety Act puts the burden on the companies with a duty of responsibility and care that says, You need to design your product so they don't cause these harm. Your product design are addictive in their effects, and you can stop it. Are there particular levers, meaning transparency, audits? What are maybe two things the law does? there, There are a couple of very important elements. First of all, give kids more options to disconnect from the algorithms. Second, make the algorithms more transparent. Third, give parents more controls and a reporting mechanism when they see harms. And then the duty of care, which is a burden that the tech companies should bear to assure their product designs spare these harms, both addictive effects and the toxic content that all too often is driven at kids. How is this kind of thing even enforced? Is it possible? The FTC and attorneys general can be very, very strong enforcement mechanism. I know as a former attorney general, give me that law and I will make sure that tech companies feel the weight of public responsibility. And hopefully also 
this kind of law will spur additional action to restrict Section 230 by separate legislation so as to give parents and kids private rights of action as well. Are you noticing if more people are suing? Are you looking at states? Like, you have been in this journey for like 20 years, you're saying, right? (laughs) And it's taken this long and there still hasn't been any really substantive change legislatively when it comes to regulating this industry. So well, you must be excited. <laughs> like I'm hoping that you're, have, you're saying you're example, looking for something. created exceptions to Section 230. Right. When it comes to sexual trafficking. trafficking. We've shown that it can work and that targeted reform can attract bipartisan support. That law, in fact, had overwhelming bipartisan support. I think we've begun breaking the ice. And this session, we have such strong momentum going for us that I think there's a very good chance it will happen. But, you know, social reform sometimes takes a while, particularly when there are deeply entrenched, well-financed interests on the opposing side. We should also say deeply entrenched uh, privacy advocates and civil liberties groups. Lots of people have weighed in to say, don't mess with this part of how the Internet works. Like free speech is important, and this does help maintain that. And, you know, how do you balance that? How do you think about it? Well, I think you have to distinguish different measures. There's more opposition to reforming Section 230 than there is to the Kids Online Safety Act, which is why we're beginning there. The Kids Online Safety Act targets discrete harms, eating disorders, bullying, suicide, sexual exploitation, substance abuse, that are driven purposefully right now by social media at children causing horrific harm. And we're saying, let's target those harms, impose a duty of responsibility on the tech companies, give parents tools and controls, and give kids options so they're not, in effect, imprisoned by these black box algorithms and make the algorithms transparent. That's a very comparatively simple message and set of provisions that can do enormous good. Let's begin there and take advantage of the broad support that we have. Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, he's a Democrat. His bill, the Kids Online Safety Act, is co-sponsored by Republican Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. That's all for this episode. You can see my full report. It's called Wired for Trouble this Sunday night at 8 Eastern. I spoke with more families who were suing social media companies. I spoke with neuroscientists and psychology experts about whether social media addiction is real. It's all part of the CNN original, The Whole Story, hosted by Anderson Cooper. And if you're hearing this after June 11th, you can stream the episode at CNN.com. Our episode of The Assignment this week was produced by Osman Noor, Michelle Rocha, and Dan Bloom. It's also a production of CNN Audio. Producers include Madeline Thompson, Jennifer Lai, Lori Galaretta, and Carla Javier. Our associate producer is Asoke Samuel. Our senior producer is Matt Martinez. Mixing and sound design by David Shulman. Dan DeZula is our technical director. And Steve Lichtai is our executive producer. Special thanks to Katie Hinman. And thank you for listening. I'm Audie Cornish.
We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.